Well, today is the first Sunday of Advent, and um, if you've been to Target in October, it, it was already started. Uh, I went to Target to get Halloween candy and walked out with a wreath, and so um, it's, it's very quickly that the world runs towards this month or this uh, lead up to Christmas, but um, Advent just means uh, arrival, and it is a, a season in the church year that is about waiting, about preparation. Uh, we move towards the manger, but not too quickly. Uh, it kind of moves backwards. We're looking today at, uh, or reflecting today on the words of Jesus about his second coming, which is odd. And then uh, we get two weeks with John the Baptist about Jesus. And then we sort of, again, back our way into the manger. So it's not a real quick journey uh, to Christmas. And so while the world uh, around us is pretty, I mean, we're ready to go with this thing. Uh, the church has this slow uh, walk towards that. Advent kind of has the back of our shirt, if you will, as we're trying to move towards this uh, event uh, that we so treasure. It's a slow and mindful journey. And again, it begins not with the birth of Jesus, but with the promise of his return. Fleming Rutledge says that Advent begins in the dark. And so maybe as you were listening uh, to the readings today, you sense a little bit of that, like what is uh, this about, what is happening um, in this season. A little bit of background here on our text that um, Hannah just read for us once she got the microphone on. Uh, that's my fault. Again, I usually turn that on. Um, but a, a little bit of background here. What Jesus is doing is, in there's a few Bible things I'll tell you in terms of like theology nerds, but this is known as a farewell testament uh, it's very particular, it's very specific in terms of the things that get said or the types of things that get said, the images that are used. Another word for this is apocalyptic. Have you heard of this before? Um, no? Good. Uh, now you have. And so it's a, it's a very common kind of image casting and writing uh, in the ancient Jewish world. Uh, we don't really have any contemporary examples in our own world, so it's hard for us to sit in these passages and kind of know what they're saying just by listening. We don't have any close comparisons in our own culture, so uh, we have to be careful not to jump to like literal conclusions. Instead, these are images, and when they're spoken, when they're written, when they're heard, we're invited into the images, and the images point us to greater realities. So that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is definitely using this kind of language to talk about something that is a reality, which is his return. Now, here's the interesting thing. The Gospel of Matthew is written almost at the end of the first century, maybe around the year 80. So if you're doing your math, that's 50 years after the resurrection, 50 years. And so people are still waiting for the return of Christ, and frustratingly so. And Matthew deals with this quite a bit in his gospel. The hope of Christ's return grows faint with time. And what are we, 2,000 years down the road? Jesus. And how many of you have said at some point, watching the news, going through something, Jesus, come on. Like, come quickly. Have you said this before? You might see this when tragedies happen and, you know, liturgical people might say, Lord, have mercy. It's a way of saying, please, Come quickly. And we live between these arrivals. There are two seasons in the church calendar that are very similar Advent 
and Lent. They're both deeply, deeply realistic. They both address things about our world that are real, pain, suffering, difficulty, and the hope that someday all of that will be corrected at God's hand. And there's a, there's a day in the season of Lent leading up to Easter known as Holy Saturday. It's a weird term, but it's the Saturday between Good Friday and Easter. It's the day that the disciples sat around and went, now what? We buried Jesus on Friday. By the way, no disciples like, he'll be back. Just give it three days. Wasn't in the cards. They're sitting around going, what do we do? And so this Saturday, this holy Saturday is this kind of in-between events. And Advent reminds us that we too live between the two arrivals, the birth of Christ and the return of Christ. Again, Fleming Rutledge, um, she writes, Advent is where we live, work, and play, and laugh, and struggle, and die. Advent is the time between, between the first coming of Christ and the second, between darkness and dawn, between the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. It is not the time of fulfillment. It is the time of waiting. It's not the time of seeing face to face. It's the time of seeing through a glass darkly. It's not the time of triumphant victory. It is the time of bearing a cross. In theology nerd circles, we call this the already but not yet kingdom of God. That in Christ, we get this image of what God is trying to do in the world. And it's here, but it's not fully here. It's already, but it's not yet. I do love this passage that Hannah read. I mean, the unnerving thing in the text is about the surprise. That's how you think about the second coming, right? You get caught off guard. Now, I don't like surprises. Um, With a clear conscience in a haunted house, I will throw you in front of me. (laughs) Every... Just ask my wife. She has been thrown in front of a chainsaw many Halloweens uh, that we've gone to haunted houses. Anybody like that? Two people, liars, a bunch of liars. The other thing, I, I mean, sometimes my wife will say, oh, my parents are coming in this weekend. That kind of surprise. Oh, good, good. Um, I'm sick. People have always been fixated on trying to figure out these words from Jesus thousands of years later. Even though Jesus said, no one knows. And yet we still try and like read the tea leaves and figure out what's going on. Part of the tractor beam around these end times charts and graphs, I think, is based on the fact that we don't like not knowing things. Or the belief that the Bible is like a code we have to crack. Um, but the truth is, we don't, we don't know. Jesus has promised, I will come again. And what that means is that the world will be made right. That creation will find its conclusion in what God wants. But we don't know. And every single generation has tried to put this in their pocket and say, this is the time. I mean, I even remember, um, you know, I graduated high school in 91, and so we're talking about the first Gulf War. And, like, all these people are like, this is it. 
this is it. And when I was in college, I would get these like, now you get them through email, but um, I'd get a letter in the mailbox and I would open it and it wouldn't be addressed to me. It would just be a, a, like a ransom note. And, um, and it would be about the end times, you know? And they kind of freaked me out because I didn't know. And so I remember taking it to a professor once and I'd say, hey, I got this in the mail. And uh, he said, let me see that. And then he opened the drawer of his file cabinet and he pulled out this big file and he opened it up and he said, can I keep that? And I was like, yeah, but what is it? He's like, I have thousands of these, you know? They have been going on. People try to figure this thing out year after year, generation after generation. And the thing is, every generation has been wrong. No one knows. And therein lies the thing for us. What do we do in the meantime? Matthew writes these words of Jesus to a generation of Christians growing less and less hopeful, urging them to hold on to the memory of Christ's resurrection and somehow of his return and to stay awake in the midst of the waiting, to stay awake and live with a sense of readiness. Now, the context here, this is not just its own little passage. I mean, we can back all the way up into the chapter and even before, but the context here is in verse 12, which wasn't read today, but let me read it to you. Jesus says, and because of the increase of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. It's a powerful statement. The lawlessness there has to do with engagement with the scriptures, the Torah, the law, that the practices of God's people are not being paid attention to, and it's less and less that we see engagement with the ways of God in their life. It's a lawlessness of people And what's interesting is Jesus makes this, what I have seen in nearly 30 years of doing this, a very true thing, that when I cease to engage with the ways of God in my life and in the world, the love that I had grows cold. And it's so true. And if we don't pay attention to that, that we have this distracted sense of faith, it's fragmented, it's sluggish, Maybe you've gone through seasons where it feels like you're very listless in your faith. And this is not an indictment. This is just what happens when we lift away from it. The risk is that we would grow cold. And life between these arrivals can be hard. It's dim, it's difficult to see. And the language in the text around being caught off guard just as an encouragement I don't want you to see that image as uh, this threat of God hoping to catch you off guard, to surprise you when you're failing. I remember thinking that as a kid, like, I hope that Jesus doesn't come back right after I say a curse word, right? (laughs) Which, still the case, you know, like, uh, please don't come back when I just thought that, said that, did that. We have that, you know, we all sort of carry that around. But maybe that's the religious world we grew up in, you know? Jesus is coming, so look really busy. Like, have your stuff together. Make sure that you are living a perfect life when he comes, you know? Like the teacher coming back in the room and you're faking that you are a good student, a well-behaved student. It's crazy to think that way. So I don't want you to read these images as God sneaking up on us and hiding behind the bushes and waiting 
for us to fail and then going, I'm back and it's too late for you, straight to hell. It's not how it works. What we're reading in here is more of a lament that people have grown so tired and their faith has grown so weary and the result is that their lives are just no longer engaged with what God is trying to do in the world. It's a lament. It's true. It happens. It happens all the time with us. But it's not a, it's not a threat. It's a lament. Now, when you read Matthew's gospel, which is our gospel for the year, something you will notice and you'll hear this in the gospel readings each week, is this comparison between an old world and a new world. And the old world is marked with hurt and pain and loss and justice and death. But the new world is marked with grace and love and life and ultimately resurrection. In theological images, it's the difference between heaven and hell. And Matthew, and all of the other writers of the New Testament, true as well, believed very deeply that in Christ, in Jesus, the way that he loved people, the way that he lived among people, the way that he healed people, the way that he forgave people, all the ways that he sacrificed himself for others, most notably in his death on the cross and ultimately in his resurrection, that in Jesus, the writers of the New Testament believed this, that in Jesus, the future of God's good world was made visible in this man. That when we, as Jesus said, when we see him, we see God. And when you read the gospels, uh, the image I like to give people is you're looking through a photo album of all these different ways that God looks and acts. And these are invitations for us. But in Jesus, we see the good and gracious God made visible, that heaven in Christ showed its hand to the world. Again, from Isaiah that we read earlier, he shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. It's hard when that's all we see on the news in our social feeds, the fighting, the othering, the classifications, the categories, the labels, the tension. And yet the Bible speaks of this coming day when all of that loses its power, has a lot of power right now. Tanks and guns and Twitter, it's all very powerful. But as the Psalms say, the Lord in heaven laughs at what we do. There's a day coming when all of that is no longer. And that's an amen moment, I hope. I try to get these city folks to say amen, they just don't do it. (laughs) You can see in that Isaiah text, you can feel it, this imagery of how the weapons of war are transformed into these agricultural tools. It's a symbol of a new earth a new creation, that's what's coming. This is the hope of our faith. The very last line of the creed, we look for the resurrection of the dead and for the life in the world to come. That's what the church does. It remembers the future. 
right? It, it seeks very diligently to forget the past, to burn the tapes. The sins of our lives are gone, and this world is a fading thing, but we remember the future, and that's hard to do because it's life between the arrivals. It can get stagnant. To be an Advent people is to live in these in-between days as a people fixated on the world to come and to practice that world in the here and now. That is the key. It's easy to forget, to live unaware of God's presence in the world. I do it all the time. And much of what it means to follow Jesus is to practice heaven here on earth, to live out the ways of heaven in the here and now of our world, of our places where we work, our neighborhoods, among our neighbors. And we live that out as though we have a good handle on what the future holds. I said this in a class I was teaching uh, for a few weeks here. Uh, we were talked about this a little bit last week, but just saying church is really just practice. It's rehearsal. For the one hour a week that we're together, we at least then and now, we practice the coming future. We practice all these things. We rehearse God's good future for his world. We love one another. We serve one another. We find ways as a community to serve the city. All of these things are their practice. But their practice within the, it's here, but it's not fully here. So in the meantime, we are what God is trying to do. We try to live as this image of Christ in the world. And so I want to say in closing, uh, as an encouragement to you, I recognize that many of your lives, mine included, sometimes feels like we're just in between. We're lost, we're listless. So we change jobs all the time or we move all the time or we switch churches, whatever. We keep looking for the thing but everything fades. And so it's better to figure out in the life that we have, how do we live as Christ would live in the world? Uh, Eugene Boring, his real last name. (laughs) And I put this in your bulletin. He writes, we are called to be agnostic about the time of Jesus's return. We simply do not know. What we do know is what we are supposed to be doing in the meantime, the deeds of mercy, forgiveness, and peace that characterize kingdom people. Amen? Every single semester in the class I teach uh, at Point University, I teach everybody's first Bible class, every single year, someone asks the question when we're in Genesis, so, it just says in the beginning, but what happened before the beginning? It's a great question. And the rabbis wrestled with this for years. And I always throw this quotation from a rabbi up on the screen. It says, essentially, we are not permitted to know any of those things. They're great questions, but the way that the creation story comes to us is it's an already happening thing. That all we have, the rabbis say, is the life that we're in. That's where we begin. All those great Existential questions, fantastic. They don't get us anywhere. Creation comes to us in the Bible as a thing that's happening and we engage with it and we live among it. 
So it's the same thing. We are called in the meantime to deeds of mercy, forgiveness, and peace that characterizes the kingdom people. We are living pronouncements of God's presence in the world, or as the writer of Genesis says, God's image. Amen.